Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Folly Coffee Podcast. If you haven't done so already, I ask that real quick here, you just pause, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, and if you've liked any of the previous episodes or this episode, please give us that five-star rating. It helps us greatly. Thank you, and enjoy this episode. Hey, this is Rob. This is episode 94 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. All right, I am here with Coffee Fanatics himself, Ryan Golick, 790,000 followers on TikTok, one of the biggest presences, one of the presences, one of the biggest, the presences? I'm not a grammar guy. What's the plural of, a large presence on TikTok, one of the dominant coffee personalities, influencer, whatever terminology you want to use to uh, do that. I have him here today, and I'm very excited to talk about your coffee story, and anyone who knows me and knows Folly knows that I, uh, for a 30-year-old, I probably have too much of an obsession with TikTok, and I love so much about it, and to see what you're doing in the coffee space is awesome. So welcome to the Folly Coffee Podcast. Happy to be here. So I want to start with your coffee background. What made you so wildly obsessed with coffee to lead to you to even want to start posting everything related to coffee in on TikTok and other platforms in the first place. So I definitely think um, coffee gave me a, I got to prove them wrong attitude. Um, so I actually started out at a Barnes Noble Starbucks. And the reason why I say that is the Starbucks community goes, well, that's not a real Starbucks. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fine. And so I eventually went to a Starbucks and then Baristas are like, well, that's not real coffee. And I go, son of a, fine. <laughs> and so I found that out actually when I went on TikTok and I was like, oh yeah, I know all this stuff about coffee. I know all these coffee facts. And then suddenly they're like, oh yeah, well, where do you work? And I was like, oh, Starbucks. And they're like, oh, well, you were right about those facts. But like, so I was like, okay. So then like, I actually like teamed up with roasters and went to like tasting classes and like all this extra stuff. And it was very much like I developed a love I already had a love of coffee but then it was just a love of being like what new fact can I find out that a non-Starbucks barista doesn't know (laughs) well that's the funny thing about the conception of Starbucks within the coffee community is I mean it's half the reason I started Folly is there is this pretentiousness about coffee that you go well if you work at Starbucks and you don't know coffee and you're like oh you mean like one of the largest players in the coffee space with capabilities and resources that Almost no coffee company has. By the way, Starbucks is the company that brought specialty coffee to the U.S. Prior to Starbucks existing, the latte wasn't even a thing in the U.S. Espresso wasn't even a thing that people were using. It was all gas station coffee, Folgers, tin cans. And so for people now to look at it and just go, oh, well, Starbucks is just not real coffee, you go. Without Starbucks, everything you're talking about wouldn't exist. And so there is that funny conception about Starbucks, but... The thing that does make me curious is, as a Starbucks barista, what was it that drew you to coffee to want to get so into posting videos, to posting content, to telling people more about coffee that they don't know? So with TikTok first, I was actually doing it because I personally think that there's way better things than um, the Frappuccinos, personally. Uh, Sorry if you love Frappuccinos. I'm just like, coffee is way better. Uh, So... I started posting videos specifically of Frappuccinos to get people into my channel to be like, okay, yeah, we know we, we like these. Yeah, they're sweet and yummy. And then I was like, oh, by the way, 
here's a nitro cold brew. Here's how it works. Here's how you can make it at home, a full on nitro. Like, yeah, you can, you can get that stuff in your house. You don't need a big machine. Um, and then people are like, oh, well, that's interesting. And um, I kept doing more of those like ones as like my side thing. And then when the pandemic happened, um, I had to do coffee at home. And luckily I had some of those people who were hanging on being like, well, I like that cool thing that you did at your house. And I was like, sweet, because that's all we're doing for a bit. <laughs> and it was cool because I got to experiment with coffees that I've never heard of before. Um, some people who were roasters in the game for years, like never heard it before because I had to like, one time I did like an 1800s coffee style and just like finding out if the reason why it's no longer a thing anymore is because people don't like it or just people forgot the recipe. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the cool thing. It's, um, I got into it because I wanted to get people to know that there's more than just the, the frilly things you see on the menu, you know, caramel macchiato, that's cool. But like, have you tried it with different types of espresso? Have you tried it with different types of milk? Have you tried it completely different? And so when you got into TikTok and started posting videos, like what time period are we talking about when you first started posting and starting to really do videos focused around coffee? So I did it um, at the uh, beginning of 2019. So... And that was that feels like such a key time for TikTok when it started yeah. to shift into what it is today. Because I joined it, I think I joined in like September of 2019, which was still on the early side where people were like, "Oh yeah, why why are you on the kids dancing app?" <laughs> so I'm curious when you got into it, what the people around you were like, "What are you doing?" What was the general vibe around TikTok? Oh, and so I deleted and re-uploaded the uh, re-downloaded the app multiple times at the beginning of that year. So the funny thing is, I didn't like actually start taking it seriously until September because I would just post a video and it was just so weird. It's like I would post it, then like scroll through my for you page. I'm like, this is not. Nobody's talking about food on this app. Nobody's <laughs> talking about anything on this app. And now you've got this whole community on TikTok completely focused around food. That was the thing that for me that really changed my mind about it, where I started being the person telling everyone else they had to download the app is there's the weird part when you first download it. And it's like, I, I don't have any interest in any of these videos, but the algorithm and the way it works with the videos you interact with, and it starts showing you things that are so oddly specific to what you like over time. That's where it became compelling to me, where... In September of 2019, I was looking at it going, yeah, there's not, there's barely anything to do with coffee on here. Uh, and then on the other side, it's like, I'm starting to see some food stuff pop up. But the more people got into it, the more niche Lane started to see. Hey, are you still there? You're frozen up on me right now. Are you there? Okay. Yeah. I was just, I just decided to like shut down everything because you froze for a second, but you were talking about the coffee community. I apologize. Nope. Nope. All good. I can always just edit this to take out the, take out the break there, but okay. And we're back. So yeah, I was talking about the, so when I joined in September of 2019, there was basically like no coffee content on there and the people that were doing it, there's some people doing really cool things and they started to pop up more and more, but 
looking at it and going, if this is happening now, it's probably going to continue to happen as it moves forward. And that's when I started getting excited when I saw someone like yourself doing what you're doing and other content creators like Tanner Colson and his explosive growth he's had doing a lot of tutorials on coffee and brewing methods. At what point you mentioned September of 2019 as being when you started to take it more seriously was that because you started to garner a bigger following or you started to see more engagement or what inspired you to start to take this more seriously? Um, so I always knew coffee as a hobby and I never really thought of it as a passion until actually TikTok made me like excited to talk about it. So basically what happened is I started, um, you know, posting more and more videos like coffee related and stuff like that um, in September because I wanted to make advertisements. Um, I was already making advertisements in my area. Um, I would literally like uh, walk like 10, 15 miles um, to a place because they didn't know I didn't have a car with like my film equipment in my backpack and I would go in and I would just film all this stuff and I was like, I need to be more passionate. Okay, let's. what's something that I like to talk about? Well, I love talking about coffee. Okay, let's do a video on TikTok a day. Like I didn't have many followers. I think at September, I still only had like 200 followers because I was just de- deleting and up like re-downloading every time. And I was like, okay, well, let's just retry it. And so I was talking about it. I was once again doing like, a, okay, let's do like a Frappuccino series to keep people on my channel, but then let's throw in some coffee facts and all that jazz. And suddenly I just got more and more into that. Then um, somebody from the coffee community like uh, followed me back and I was like, oh, okay, sweet. So there are more of us. And um, I then um, got to do a thing with uh, Flair Espresso and they were super cool. And like, I just started to notice this community and video community, like people who edit and stuff like that and like do that as a profession, they're very competitive. And as a person who is in it, I can flat out say sometimes it gets a little too aggressive (laughs) versus like in the coffee community, if you have somebody and you're talking to them, like they only want to help you. Like that's the thing about this community. It's, it's, it's so much better. So I noticed myself pivoting more from just, oh, it's a hobby with coffee too. This is a freaking passion. I love this. So that's kind of what got me from like just silly videos. Oh, let me post it to let me take it serious was the community behind it. And so you, you set out with that goal of one video a day. And that's, is that kind of what you uh, hold yourself to now or has it increased or decreased or how do you kind of strategize as you started to get, take it more seriously? Uh, that's actually funny that you said that because uh, um, all of April I took the month off. Right. And it's because I was posting anywhere from three to five videos a day and I did not stop from that moment. That is a lot. And that's, yeah. and that is something you see of the people with really big followings. And you, you seem to hear this advice of not like one video a day on TikTok just doesn't seem to be enough anymore. And it like is a full-time job just to grow a following with especially so many new people downloading the app. So now that you've been doing it for well over a year and taking it seriously for well over, you know, a, a, about a year and a half now almost, what are the takeaways you've had in terms of the strategy and like building a community? Cause that's the thing that resonates to me about your page is not only are you doing awesome coffee content and you're attracting people with everybody's favorites, but you're also like you're teaching people about coffee itself and different ways you can brew at home. What are the things that you find that have built the community that you have 
And that seemed to ha- garner a lot of traction in terms, obviously, the TikTok algorithms, somewhat unpredictable sometimes. But what seemed to be the types of videos, the type of content that garner the most attention, the, whether it's comments or likes or views, what are the things that have the most impact for you over yeah. the past so year? So I will definitely say, like, even if you're, uh, if you're a brand or an influencer, I, I think thinking about them as the same is one of the biggest thing. Like, if you're an influencer and you're just one person making it and you're just doing a cup of coffee a day, treat yourself like a brand. Um, and if you are a brand, well, congratulations, you're already treating yourself like a brand. <laughs> um, and with that, that's when you create your community because one of the big things is like, you know, I guess the easiest way to build a community is to acknowledge them. So you're making three videos a day, right? Now, a lot of the bigger um, professionals in TikTok or in YouTube, it's they normally have their idea for their weekly YouTube video and then they break it out into chunks and they use it as TikTok stuff. And then as the day progresses, they'll post that main thing that's already pre-recorded, already ready. And then they'll normally react to people and that's the biggest thing. That's a free shout out for somebody who is now a part of your community. So I could take your comment, I could take your duet, I could take all that stuff and react to it and then create that. And, um, you know, some people they'll, they'll post, you know, coffee information and I might say like, oh, hey, actually it's not quite true. Or I might be like, holy crap, I didn't know that. They don't mind as, as long as you're respectful. Don't tell them they're wrong and be like, listen here, you terrible piece <laughs> of crap. But like, you know, you can be like, yo, hey, um, that's awesome point that you got there. And I can see why you're there because of X, Y, and Z. But here's the true story. They're like, oh, crap, I'm in the conversation with them. He's treating me like a peer. And then if you're obviously like a brand, they're like, dude, I want to represent them. I want to have, you know, their coffee. I want to have their their brewer. Um, if you are a... Um, who's he what's it's if you are a brand influencer they're like oh i want their merch and stuff like that or i just want to hang out with them and the community is the big thing there uh a good example is actually when i did the thing with flair espresso um you know they weren't quite sure of what the demographic was at the time nobody was yeah. it was still super early in tiktok's career so like oh we don't know the demographic and i was like I think I can do a couple of videos. And I think the reason why my Flare videos did so well is one video I did, it, it was actually talking about the Flare and it's your standard advertisement style. Oh, you know, this is what it is. This is how it works. And then someone's like, yo, five bucks says you wouldn't put like a Hershey's bar underneath that and melt it. And so I did and it got like 2 million views. And then everybody in the comments were like, yo, what's that espresso machine? I want it. What's that thing? I want it. And it's like, because I put them in the community and I did that silly thing, uh, there was this huge series of me just melting random things with espresso and seeing if it <laughs> tastes good. Um, I think I saw, really fun. I, I think I saw like, uh, I think it was Cuvée Coffee or somebody like that. I know they're out of Texas and they literally just started a full series of videos that just will it espresso. And they yep. were just doing things like Doritos dust, like will it espresso and they would pull it through an espresso machine. And that's the, that's the interesting thing about TikTok versus other platforms that there is this kind of balance you want to keep as a brand, especially because it's our, my TikTok or for Folly is so all over the place. And honestly, I just I don't devote a lot of strategized time to it. I'm starting to think about that more. But it's the combination of doing videos that nobody wants to watch an ad. And so the, the first flare video you do is really an ad. And so someone's probably going to scroll yeah. through that pretty quick. The only people are going to watch it are people who are 
100% interested in the Flair Espresso versus the second one, you start to go like, wait, what is about to happen? Why is there a chocolate bar involved in this espresso machine? It makes it way more viewable. It makes people want to comment on it. it, makes them want to say, oh, could you do this and that? And that seems to be one of the features I think that TikTok does kick the crap out of other social platforms is the ability to take the engagements of your following and engage with it in unique ways. And that's what you seem to do really, really well is when someone comments on your video, TikTok has the ability that you can then film a video with that comment present and film a full video reaction to them. It's not possible on other platforms. And so this adds value to you to be able to create more content directly related to a comment. It also makes that user feel awesome that they go, oh, what, what I commented was valuable enough or interesting enough that made them want to do a full another video. And it's the ironic thing that a lot of the times those videos seem to do better than the ones that take a lot of time to produce, the ones that do feel more like self-serving or like an ad. And so that's a really interesting insight is doing things that maybe it's not exact. You know, maybe Flair Espresso doesn't want the message to be you can melt chocolate in our espresso machine, but now all of a sudden 2 million people are aware of the Flair Espresso versus the first video. You're only going to get people that probably already knew what Flair Espresso was. And so you, the crazy thing is you just mentioned in September of 2019, you had 200 followers. So at what point did you see that following start to explode being at 790,000 followers now? Um, so it was in waves and this is actually a perfect lesson for anybody who's interested in TikTok and understand like how to, uh, uh, I guess mastering the pivot in your content, which still keeping it on topic, but finding ways to get more views and stuff like that. Um, so the first thing I did was it's, I was in the middle of my, uh, video a day, not taking it seriously, just being like, I need an idea. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to draw today. I'm going to draw something today. And I looked at all my fellow baristas because I was still at Starbucks at the time. And I was like, guys, what should I draw today? And then they all shouted at the same time. I'm like, hold on, one at a time. And so I went through. One was like, I don't know, a dog. And another person was like, I don't know, an accountant. And another person was like, I was going to say a pumpkin spice because the pumpkin spice is only here for a couple more weeks. And I go, okay, how about a dog in a business suit making a pumpkin spice latte? And they're like, okay. Now, at that time, the most views I got in a video was about two or 300. Um, that one hit 500,000 within a day. <laughs> so obviously you have the instant like, oh my gosh, like obviously in my head, I, w- I was feeling like top of the world. I'm like, oh, look at me go. And I came to work and I'm like, guys, I'm at 10,000 followers out of nowhere. They want to see more coffee drawings. I'm like, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do. So I was doing coffee drawings for a bit and it was slowing down. And I was still kind of like talking up my, my 10,000 followers. And then like a, a coworker who's in high school, if you're in high school, get on any type of social media now and like freaking do that because you have like an easy networking thing. She was at 15,000 followers <laughs> because she had like the following schools. And because she went to multiple meets, she would like show off her TikTok and that would instant like boost the algorithm for her i was like jesus you are so lucky to still be in school um so i then got competitive again and i was like okay let's keep doing these videos and they were starting to slowly go back down now most people they're like oh crap it's i'm being shadow banned i'm being suppressed uh (laughs) you know all this stuff and like sometimes you just gotta go you know i think it's just people have seen my content enough that they're like oh it's the dude who draws coffee things so probably that phase of me is done and i'm like okay well i do videos every now and again 
of me making coffee at work. Let me do um, a couple more drinks. And I did a, um, a Harry Potter themed butterbeer nitro. And so basically I made the butterbeer, but as a nitro, cause I was sick and tired of all the Frappuccinos people were telling me to make. And that one got a ton of views. So much in fact that I did a whole Harry Potter series and Starbucks as, at a, as a whole got a cease and desist from Warner Brothers Media. <laughs> Because all my uh, videos for Harry Potter themed garnered a total of like, I think it was like 10 million views. <laughs> so, yeah, they didn't say it was me, but they just did like to all the stores. They just said, you are not allowed to do secret menu drinks based off of Warner Media. If you do um, say that it is inspired by and not that it is that drink. And I was like, oh, well, um, I luckily do the the how to order it because that was the main reason why I did those drinks is that people would go into Starbucks and be like, um, can I get the butterbeer? <laughs> yeah. How do you make that? Well, it's the butterbeer. So like I always had the how-to, but now I'm like, I have to emphasize the inspired by. But yeah. then once again, those views started to go down and I was like, I'm done with secret menu. And then the big one was the Winnie the Pooh Frappuccino where someone's like, you need to do another Frappuccino again. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, like, I'm kind of out of ideas. Like, what am I going to do, a Winnie the Pooh Frappuccino? And I was saying it to be funny, and then I was like, and then I, like, grabbed, like, the cinnamon. I, I, I did, like, two shots of espresso because I wanted blonde espresso in it, and I did, like, all these things, and then I made it, and then it ended up on, like, uh, Good Morning America. It ended up on Delish. Um uh, there is this thing called um, like Graduate Together where it was going to be aired on CBS, NBC, all that stuff and it just like blew up and at that point I was at about 100,000 um, followers so like once again I was just always pivoting and it was slowly going up but then this one was the okay now you're at three to 400,000 within days that is and wild. I guess that's kind of the key it's like um, how is knowing when you're not being suppressed and not did like and you know even when you are suppressed just say that you aren't um and be like what am i gonna do now to pivot what am i gonna do to still stay in my content because all my stuff was still coffee based you know all my stuff was still like let's get creative with coffee let's do something silly with coffee that's why it's coffee fanatics it's something silly that you're a fan of with coffee and um you know, the last pivot was I was starting to do um, coffee at home and more like serious things about coffee and, you know, uh, why you shouldn't say the phrase, you know, um, lighter roast has more caffeine because although technically it's true, it's down to the microns, you know, like that type of stuff. Um, and people got interested in that. And now I, I'm pretty sure I'm ready for my next pivot since I took a break off. The algorithm probably hates me once I get back. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's it, it's a very valuable insight because you, you do see a lot of creators, especially once they blow up, they go, I must be getting suppressed. That's the only explanation or I'm being shadow banned so people can't search me or find my videos or they're just not being shown anymore. And that's a really valuable insight to say, well, maybe it is the fact that I've had 10 drawing videos go really popular and maybe it's not the fact that I'm being shadow banned but maybe people have seen 10 different versions and now the excitement behind it is dwindling and so to see that and say we're going to pivot quickly into something else and even just the way you pivoted and the, the 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 approach you have in terms of like let's just do stuff that's creative funny and just like maybe just a little bit dumb in the best sense of the word because it's like people love foolish funny stuff it's half the reason they're on TikTok is to distract themselves from seriousness of everything going on 
And so to be able to do that and be like, why not do a Winnie the Pooh Frappuccino and the Harry Potter thing? Obviously, there's a huge following of Harry Potter. So anything related to that? Uh, I am curious because you got a cease and desist from Warner. What is the communication from someone like Starbucks? Because I see so many Starbucks related videos. I'm curious if Starbucks has released any official statement on like social media and what employees can and can't post or if there are any reprimands that come down from the content you see from it. So most companies, um, whether it be Best Buy, um, I, I've worked at a lot of places, fair warning, um, Best Buy, Starbucks, what have you, um, their social media policy is normally vague. And it's vague for a reason, because if you make the company look amazing, why should they fire you? And then they can't like fire somebody else for doing the, the thing that, you know, like Joe Schmo did over at the other Starbucks. And so like they keep it vague for a reason. And the reason why secret menu they've never like tackled on is because the amount of people that go in and ask for the it Frappuccino or the um, I did a My Hero Academia series and they're like, yo, can I get the the Deku Frappuccino? And the person's like, I'm not an anime fan. I don't know what the frick that is. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's because one those those frappuccinos or those coffees or those nitro cold brews with the added extras it's so much more expensive for them but people are buying it because they want to try it once they want to have that experience and those people a lot of times have never been to a starbucks before they're like i've never been like you see the videos of people doing like my uh coffees frappuccinos you name it they'll be like i've never been to starbucks but i gotta try this because i'm a big fan of this character and they'll like that's that's free publicity for them, and then they're hooked, and they're like, now I can only get Starbucks. And, um, yeah, and Starbucks is probably over here going like, we don't want to pay for the rights to this drink, so let's just let it going until people notice. And, and exactly. And then for Starbucks, it's like we the cease and desist letter is basically just evidence that this got popular enough that it got the attention of Warner. And that's, that is absolutely insane. When you think about one person, Ryan Golick making a video on his coffee so, fanatics page. I have to go on the record and say, I can't confirm or deny. It just happened within the week of me getting 10 million views under that hashtag. That is exactly right. The Folly Coffee Podcast <laughs> would like to issue a formal statement at this time that we can neither confirm nor deny that the cease and desist was directly related to what <laughs> Ryan Golick of the Coffee Fanatics page did. But with that said, <laughs> for a cease and desist letter to show up because you made a video. And that's the, that is the crazy thing about TikTok. It's the most exciting thing about it. And it's also the most frustrating thing about it is you never know what is going to go ultra viral. Like, oh, yeah. I, and that's what's the most frustrating for me and why I struggle to spend too much time on it because it's like I'll take time for a tutorial. I'll edit it nicely. I'll have the perfect music for it. It gets 200 views. And then I, I do mean, your hot sauce bottle challenge. Like, I don't know if any of your <laughs> listeners have seen any of these, but like he does these hot sauce bottle challenges that are freaking like that's viral material. It just needs one to pop off. That's what I'm saying. So like that one. Uh, now we can utilize those videos and, and th th that's the interesting thing about like Instagram reels versus TikTok is like we got really good engagement on Instagram from those and we gained a lot of followers but then on TikTok they get like you know 800 900 views and you're like we spent a full day filming those now we the way we do our like professional filming for our hot sauce videos is we always have like a core video that we yeah. can use to send to buyers to use for selling material but while we're there let's film a couple awesome tiktoks and that's the frustrating thing is like that one 800 900 views then i saw this video of a guy drumming 
at three different rates at the same time, and it sounded like a brain imploding. So I just filmed the video reacting to that, and that gets 125,000 views. I'm like, this is such a crazy platform. But the things I like about what you're saying is being very thoughtful and aware of your community and thinking of it externally. And I think... Sometimes people only think internally about their page and they go, oh, this is has to be somebody else's fault because I'm doing the same videos and it's not working anymore. Whereas you look at it as almost like every single type of video you're doing, that video series, if you'll call it that, has almost an expiration date that there's a certain amount of life to each type of video and to kind of ride that wave. And then once that wave hits shore and those views start to go down, not to create videos that are like, I'm getting suppressed. You, uh, We have to change this, but to say, hey, what's the next thing? And to start to test that all while actively gauging your community that you have so that the followers who are following you continue to get content that they showed up for. And then the final piece I like is you're injecting what you're passionate about into your page in between those videos that get the views. And that's the cool thing that I think makes your page very authentic is when you go to a page and they're clearly only creating videos to try to go viral, it's very irritating and comes across as very phony. And then I I just find myself unfollowing those people because I go, there's very little original thought happening here. And you're just doing this to try to grow on TikTok so you can become one of the people in the hype house. Whereas one of the, uh, on your page. Wait, you don't think I can be in the hype house? I think you should be your own hype house. (laughs) (laughs) And, And the way you're doing it is you've got those videos that can grow following through views. And there's very like, clear reasons why these go viral but in between those you're creating the content of what you're passionate about so when you go to your page you go oh look at the the, vari- the virality of this video is insane he's getting 10 20 millions of views on on these types of videos and then you start to learn more about who you are in between those that's like oh this guy's insanely passionate about coffee and then what happens there is you attract someone like myself because if you were just doing the viral fa- frappuccino videos i'd be like you know, that's interesting, but I'm not going to follow for Frappuccino content, but I go, Oh, this guy is educating people about coffee because it's what he cares about. And that was the really cool part of your page. And I think it's a really interesting insight. So kind of shifting our direction from there, I am interested because it sounds like it's been a bit of a rough time for you over the past few months is COVID. Uh, I, I am curious how it's going now that, so you, uh, my understanding is that you launched a line of coffee syrups that you were selling. Yes. Is that correct? That is correct. So tell me how all of this went down. Cause it sounds really frustrating. Oh my gosh. So, um, well, let's start off on the reason why I started it. So, um, I always had this joke thing on the reason why I used the name coffee fanatics as my username was I was like, one day I want to do a brand. I don't know if it's going to be a coffee. I don't know what it is, but like, I want to do it. So let's just choose a stupid name that no one will like that I can change in two seconds. Uh, and I chose coffee fanatics. And unfortunately now I'm kind of stuck with it. I like, the <laughs> name, but, um, and so like I always had this dream of doing something, but I know I couldn't because I was with Starbucks at the time and I was like, okay, well, you know what? Luckily, I have three years in between t- whenever I leave Starbucks to whenever I start my brand because that's like a, a legality thing. It's you If you work at Starbucks, you can't start a coffee company for three years after. They never call out anybody on it, but you know. Yeah, that, yeah. that's an aggressive non-compete three years. That's rough. Yeah, but I, I've heard people start their own coffee shop. But anyway, so um, I was like, okay, yeah. And then 
I moved in with my girlfriend because for the past year and a half, I was living in a basement uh, due to the COVID situations. Not year and a half, I guess. It's a year. Uh, and I told Starbucks, I was like, hey, I'm going to be moving. And they're like, sure, we'll do the transfer paper. A week before I moved, they go, hey, we didn't do the transfer paperwork, so it's going to be about a month and a half. And I go, well, I told you guys like a month and a half ahead of time. And they go, yeah, I know, but unfortunately, this is the case. And I had to do $70 Ubers to the point where I finally told them no. And they said, well, you're going to keep doing it or you're fired. And I said, well, I guess I'm fired. And I was stuck with no job. And I was like, well, loophole, this beats the non-compete clause. Ah. So I was like, well, it's right before the holidays. I'll do something small. I love doing cool flavors and making drinks. And uh, I'm big on, because I was getting into learning about you know, which coffee flavors, learning about that cool little flavor wheel. Like, I'm like, I could do videos on how to properly pair syrups uh, based off of what coffee you have. So, like, if you have, like, an Ethiopian, uh, you know, like, this is a good syrup that would go with it. So, I was, like, prepping for that journey. And I was like, okay, well, let me just do a couple of basic syrups and let me just throw it on Etsy. I did it. I made a video. And within a month, I had about $10,000 in orders. Whoa. And I was like, holy crap, people are excited about coffee fanatic syrups. And I'm doing this out of an apartment right outside of Boston. Um, okay, cool. So I started making the orders. And uh, like I said, I don't have a car. So I'd, I'd walk the 600 orders to the post office and I'd keep doing that. The holidays went great until I got a bunch of emails from people saying that they didn't get their syrups. I was like, okay, that's odd. Because like, I'm literally doing it by hand, having a checklist, checking off that person and walking it to the post office. That's as like intimate of a procedure as possible. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just send you a new one. I'll send you a new one. And I kept sending people new ones. And I'm like, I'm losing a lot of money now. All this, like this, this quote unquote, $10,000 just went out the drain as soon as I got it. Cause I'm like buying more products and I'm doing all this stuff. And then I reached out to Etsy and they just go, oh, silly us. We misprinted a bunch of labels. But unfortunately, to reprint them, we're going to have to hit you with some fees. And it's one of those things that you're already entwined with a company and a thing. And I even got like a lawyer to look at it. And he was like, unfortunately, you kind of signed up for this, that if a fee happens, a fee happens. And I ended up actually losing about $7,000. So I will say this to anybody on Etsy. I'm not dissing Etsy. Etsy is a great site for people starting a business. The issue was, is that I grew too fast for what I was dealing with. After that, I then switched over to Shopify, but at that point I was too busy digging myself out. So right now, over the past month, that's actually another reason why I took the break. It's, um, I basically canceled everything. I'm reworking the syrups and I'm pretty excited about that because I'm already uh, in a couple of farmer's markets and stuff like that. And my goal is to now start getting into cafes. And I'm like, if I start with my local community and move outward, and I'm doing a couple of special shipments outwards because I already had like some cafes under my belt that like were like, hey, do you mind sending it to us? And I'm like, you're still a client, but I I can't do e-commerce just yet because apparently the downside to TikTok, which is, sounds like a weird downside, is you can create too much of a community and it ends up being too much of a help at first. Uh, so I guess that's a good thing for brands that are already situated is if you are situated, work hard on building your community because you can get a ton of orders. Just the issue was, is I wasn't as built of a brand as I was ready for. 
Yeah, it's almost like <clears throat> it's, and this is something that I, I kind of learned fortunately through. I, I was researching a bunch of different businesses, and when you're starting, uh, one one of the things I read that was confusing to me because I, I go, "This doesn't process." As they go, obviously, failing is a big concern, and everyone's planning for what's the worst case scenario and what's failing. But what they don't consider is that if you're too successful in a lot of ways that can be worse than not being able to generate sales because it's, it is difficult that once you let a customer down once the chance of them coming back is tough. And so it's almost like you wish you could go back and be like, Hey, we're going to do a super limited release inventory. Once it's gone, it's gone. And that might be a way that if you've got an intense community, that it, it could be a way to slowly build up the trust and sales through your community uh, I had someone on the podcast, Houston White, he calls it the Kanye drop, that it's like, hey, here's our inventory. Once it's out, it's out. If you miss it, sorry, we're going to do it again in the future, but you got to stay uh, super tuned into it. We've got uh, another buddy of mine who was on, uh, his, his name's Zach, and he started A to Z Creamery, and they're doing small batch ice cream. And the way he Ooh. does it is he started a food page on Instagram, really, really highly engaged audience. He started, similar to yourself, he started making ice cream in his apartment and would just post on the stories, hey, I've got like 20 pints if anybody wants one, 10 bucks each. And he started selling out immediately. And they were oh, it's awesome. really great, cool ice cream. Now he's doing 300 pints a week and his average sellout time is about 45 seconds. <laughs> and That's so awesome. that may be a way for you with your engaged community and following is just start doing these Kanye drops that you go, hey, this first run, I'm just doing 15 bottles of this and have them be those really funky, fun flavors and then have it be something that it's almost impossible for someone to get a bottle because there's only 15. And you go, okay, I sold out these 15 immediately. Let's try out 25. And then you, you can slowly start to build that up. And then there's also this excitement and anticipation because of the scarcity of the item that it protects you from these huge losses that you might garner it by having to ship too many at once. Your customer service is going to be super on point because you're able to take care of 15 to 25 very easily, all while generating excitement behind what you're doing. And it keeps people engaged with your page. Then you've got an excuse to be like, hey, if you want to see about these uh, launches, be sure to stay engaged with my pages because this is where I announce. Do you uh, yeah. Do you currently have an email list that you're working with in terms of people who have purchased or things in the past? Um, I hate to be this per. I do have like things I've worked with in the past and like previous orders, and like I turn that into an email list. Um, I didn't even get it happened so fast. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, from November to March is the time span of yeah. like my sales. It's wild. So like, yeah. I didn't even have the time to learn anything about this. I thought I'd be selling like five bottles a week and like, you know, just that one person be like, Oh, that's cute. Cause like my merch sales, coffee people do not want to buy merch from creators like t-shirts. They're like, no, 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 no. Maybe put it on a mug and we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's totally true. Cause we ran in that same problems. We had every merch piece of like item that you'd possibly want and nothing really sells besides a mug. And that's it's somewhat limiting but it's also kind of nice to know but uh but that the email list to me is those are the customers that actually want to hear what's okay. going on in your world and that's exactly what my guy Zach over at A to Z Creamery has is that email list that's where he drops all of his things and the people who don't unsubscribe and the people who follow it you go these are the people that are actively engaged with what we're doing there's a reason they stay on the email list versus something like a TikTok follower of course they're interested in what you're doing, but 
who knows how often they're actually seeing your content based on how many people they're following and the growing oh, yeah. number of creators and the amount of content out there that could, I, I think the email list could be a great way to even further grow your community and could be a way to build back that, that trust and the online side. And I, I think your transparency and what you're doing is awesome to just be like, here's what happened. Here's our situation, but here's what we're going to do to relaunch this thing that everybody was excited about in the first place. And it could be a potential way to get that thing going really fast again. Cause yeah. because of the community you have. I love that. I, I love the fact of like kind of using the hype to its advantage. I love the idea of, uh, the email list because actually for facts about you uh for tiktok um you get an average of one to five percent of your following to actually be a customer so if you are a brand or something like that that's how much you get first like um when i worked at best buy now granted best buy corporate first that people on email lists um and this is why like i'm surprised i didn't even think of it on the level so thank you uh when you get an email you are 35 percent more likely to purchase so this is even a person who was never even considering buying they might have accidentally signed up for your email list so that's why they always best buy doesn't need your email to track you they just need to send you that one email that like is probably of like a automatic dog feeder and then somebody goes well i want an automatic dog feeder you know it's, yeah uh, and so like i'm surprised i didn't even think of it on that level so thank you so much for that yeah um, but, but and yeah. that's that's such a good point is to to think that you generated ten thousand dollars of sales in a month from a brand new concept from a following you garnered on tiktok is super super rare it's like you hear the stories of these content creators are like i'm doing a t-shirt this is gonna blow up and then they launch it and like no one gets the t-shirt because they go well why would i want that versus the why of your product this line of syrups makes so much sense you're like this guy's obsessed with coffee plus I've never heard of someone doing it in the way that you do it. The connotation behind syrups is this is for cheap coffee. This is for people who don't really appreciate coffee. But for you to be as intentional and thoughtful about what you're doing to say, these syrups were pairing with high-end coffee. We're intentional. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that is such a cool way to grow interest of people interested in higher-end coffee, but maybe just aren't strictly black coffee drinkers. And that's what is an interesting thing about the specialty community is you go there like the cream and sugar are kind of inev inevitable to most people that are coffee drinkers, especially, but here's a way that you can appreciate great coffee and maybe also notice the flavor differences. It's a really interesting and I think pretty innovative way to approach syrups and could explain some of that, the, the extreme amount of interest you had in it. Yeah, well, I definitely think flavor notes is a huge thing. Um, so when I was learning about tasting and stuff like that, um, obviously, like everybody, when they're starting tasting coffee and stuff like that, you'll you'll see that one person be like, hmm, I see like a little bit of like peach at the back of my tongue. And you're like, no, there's not. Um, like, you know, uh, that actually was my experience at um, a different roaster. And I was like, yeah, no, I do not experience that at all. And I noticed when I was like, uh, oh, well, what does this pair with? Oh, well, this one does pair really well with X, Y, and Z. And so I would mix it with the syrups and then I would start to notice those flavor notes. So it's really good for people who are learning tasting coffee and being like, what does it pair with? Because uh, it really changes the flavor profile if you're obviously focusing on the coffee. Um, for example, obviously darker roasts, like, you know, they always say pair it with chocolate and stuff like that. Like, okay, well, I tried pairing the same chocolate that I have, which I use real cacao beans that I roast and everything. And then I make an extract from scratch um, which is obviously way different than, you know, just your standard cocoa powder, um, mocha. 
and I put that in the coffee with a darker roast and it definitely has a whole different flavor profile than if I put it in a blonde roast versus if I put it in the blonde roast, I would love to experiment with different fruity style. Like you would never go into a Starbucks right now and use their artificial raspberry in a coffee. Like it, you have to have it with mocha. It has to be paired with that mocha versus you're actually pairing it with the coffee versus like um, I inspired by the tasting situation made a peach syrup and in like lighter roast coffees where you do taste more of those like fruity notes, it pairs amazing. And I think that's a big thing that like um, a lot of beginner coffee tasters would be very interested in finding out and helping them dictate where on the wheel it is. Yeah. And the, the, what I love about that is something I'm constantly thinking about and constantly racking my brain on is like, what are the gateway experiences to high-end coffee? And what I mean by that is like, what is the first thing that happens where you go, okay, I'm now interested in tasting better coffee. I'm now interested in thinking about what I'm tasting in coffee versus just loading it up with cream and sugar and being done. And with what you're doing is at the very least, someone is thinking about what would I pair this with, which will make them think about what am I tasting in this coffee and then what works well with that tasting note. And I think anything that gets someone thinking about what they're tasting is the whole point of specialty coffee is trying to get someone to just pause for a second and think, what is it that I'm tasting in this coffee? And I think that's true of all things food and drink, especially when you're talking about the high end and like small batch and artisan focused is our whole goal is to get someone to just pause for a second and think about what it is that they're actually tasting and smelling. And I think that's the whole fun of what we're doing as opposed to, you know, your Frappuccino, you go first sip, I know what this is and I'm getting it because it's tasty and I can pound it. And you go, yeah, it's delicious, but you know, so is a milkshake. But the specialty coffee is so complex and intricate that you go, I got to kind of pause for a second, really ponder what I'm uh, smelling and tasting, even if it's just for a brief moment. And the way you're approaching those syrups makes people stop and think about it. And you know, syrups and cream and sugar is something that isn't widely embraced by the high-end specialty community, but I think that's part of the pretentiousness that makes it so certain people aren't attracted to drinking specialty coffees. They go, well, I like cream and sugar. I, I like syrups. I'm, I'm never going to stop using them, so whatever you're doing over there must not be for me. And then you're going, here's a way to be able to do both. And I think that's a really yeah. cool product and you attract a whole audience that maybe was never interested in high-end coffee in the first place. So I'm curious, you took your month on break after this fiasco and trying to just basically take a step back and take a breath and say, hey, I'm just going to just basically refocus what, what it is that's going on here. What is your plan once you come back in May? Um, so that's actually, so obviously I was, I'm still passionate about making videos and stuff like that. So I was still making videos, doing digital design for all my labels and stuff like that. So basically the first thing I was doing was redesigning all my labels, making it nicer, actually on the back of every label now has a list of pairing of like, I I said, very broad versions of like, you know, Oh, blonde roast versus dark roast for any of like the newer coffee drinkers out there. But like, you know, obviously different types of coffee beans and different ways it's processed, you're going to get different flavor notes as well. So it's like, Oh, this would be really good with a, this type, this origin, all that stuff. Um, this process, um, just as ideas. And I think that's going to get people pretty excited. Um, I worked on the recipe to give it, um, we use minimal um, preservatives and we only use like organic preservatives. So it was a lot of uh, like testing and stuff like that. And I had it sent out to a lab to try and get it the most preserved 
um, for the longest time with the minimal amount of preservatives. The steps now after, now that we've done prep work on videos, now that we've done prep work on marketing, branding, and outwards is, uh, one, I am going to take your advice, which, so this wasn't a plan until just now, um, and do maybe limited drops for people on the e-commerce level, and I'll probably um, pitch that more on my Instagram. My next step would be, um, what's it called, uh, which is already planned, is uh, farmer's markets. I'm going to be at about four to five different farmers markets throughout there and i'm going to be reaching out to cafes and stuff like that and offering um just free samples and free tastings uh so that way they can pair it with their favorite type of coffee i'd probably team up with local roasters to kind of like show them how to pair it with my thing because a lot of roasters um do have a lot of say in what the extra stuff are because one cafe that i worked at was a health cafe and they're like we make smoothies and stuff they had no clue what the coffee side was and that's why they hired me i was like hey you know i'm a starbucks barista and they're like that's enough we, we can deal with that and so um i helped them get their coffee but the roaster is very involved in okay here's some syrups we'd recommend here's uh some milks we'd recommend um and so definitely teaming up with roasters and like showing them tastings and stuff and how they compare it with their types of coffee is good so yeah long story short um graphics farmer's market e-commerce and um, uh, cafes. That is awesome. I think that's like a classic way to grow a brand organically and uh, making sure that as people are at the farmer's market, not only sampling, but, you know, having cards for them to be able to drive to the website and, you know, getting them on that email list. And I think, I think that with the community you have digitally gives you a huge leg up to what a lot of people do when they have to start a business from scratch. But that sounds like an awesome strategy. I think that's a, I think that's a good place to end this episode. Really appreciate yeah. your time. Uh, really Thank excited you. to see the return. And I can't wait to see what the whole rebrand and the relaunch of the product is. And I think it could be a really, really successful thing with the strategy you have. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much for having me. This was an amazing talk. I actually learned a lot from this. <laughs> I, basically, I just consider myself as a half coffee obsessed and half business obsessed. And I think that's kind of where I land in the middle. And it's, it's the only reason I get excited about stuff anymore is anything related to those two. So hearing what you're doing is so cool. And I just get really curious when I see anyone ex- like having success beyond what you would expect. So for someone to have a coffee TikTok with 790,000 followers, I'm like, all right, I got to break into this and see what's happening here and try to try to see what he he's doing over here. And I had some awesome takeaways that I think are, are pretty uh, applicable to anyone listening about how to grow a following and grow a community and grow engagement. So appreciate you coming on and I'm going to end it like I do every other episode and say, have a nice day.